Well, it's a really cool um, week that we're approaching and, and a whole season that we're getting ready to kick off. And it's just there's so much we can, we can be thankful for and we can bless the Lord for. And there's so much that goes on in the world because there's plenty of stuff you could be negative about too, right? I mean, there's plenty of stuff you could, you could be depressed about and, and saddened about. Uh, but we, we don't want to focus on that. You, you know what? The, the writer, uh, the Holy Spirit actually wrote the whole Bible, but he used Paul, and he writes this in Philippians 4, and he says this. Uh, this is the way I take because I always see funny stuff and things. I picture the Lord saying this. You can think about anything you want as long as it's good, holy, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. If there's anything good, anything excellent, think on those things. And you know what he says? The God of peace will be with you. Hmm. Interesting, that what you think on can actually produce peace, according to Philippians, the fourth chapter. So it's a wonderful season, and kind of the weird stuff going on in the world, though, too. Like, I, I don't consider myself an economist. I don't consider myself a financial planner. I do not consider myself to be the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to figuring out how world economics work and the whole world of money. And when I watch those who are uh, economic geniuses, I get even more confused, okay? So, and, and I get it. You say, well, that's because you don't have the brain to figure it out. I'm not arguing with you on that. That very well could be it. But I'm watching, like, local Indianapolis news back several weeks ago, and they were talking about the, the Fed's raising the interest rates. And um, they said the reason we have to raise the interest rates is because raising the interest rates will make it, it'll make it harder for people to buy things, and it will make things more expensive so we can slow down consumer spending. People are buying too much stuff. We've got to stop that. This is what it said, uh, because it messes up the supply chain. It does this and this and this and this. And I go, really? Because I'm thinking if I owned a company that I produced widgets, I would want everybody to be able to buy my widget. And I would be wanting to encourage them to get that. So, again, maybe you say, well, you probably didn't understand what they were saying. Maybe. Or maybe the person was talking didn't know economics either. But I thought that's really interesting. So on one side... You know, we're buying too much, we're spending too much, we're messing up the economy, and raising interest rates will help us slow that down so the economy can be better. So then I start talking to people, and I get on social media and see this all the time, where everyone's whining, we don't make enough money, we don't have the resources to buy anything, you know, we can't, we can't live a normal life like people used to, the things are too expensive, I think things are too expensive too, and, and so nobody can own anything, nobody can have anything, nobody can enjoy life. And so then I hear the other side of that. So, and then which is it? But I can tell you what, if you look around your neighborhood, if it's anything like my neighborhood, I mean the Amazon guy is friends with everyone in the neighborhood. You got FedEx, UPS, USPS, and the Amazon man running through all over the place all the time. I bet you our guys had 10 invitations to Thanksgiving dinner because he's got such a relationship with everybody in our, in our neighborhood. So I'm thinking, if we can't own anything, we can't buy anything, who's keeping these guys busy hopping all over the place? So I think we really are consumers. We really are big consumers. And you, you think about, well, that's kind of a new phenomenon. It's not a new phenomenon. 30, 40 years ago, this was something that they used to joke about, but it was true. They said, only in America. Only in America do we have our garage bays filled up with worthless stuff while our expensive cars sit out in the driveway and in the weather. It's true. I wonder how many millions of people 
this winter are going to walk right through a cluttered garage bay to go outside to scrape the window, uh, the snow, the ice, the, the frost, whatever, off that window and walk back through a cluttered garage bay because they can't get their car in the garage. We got stuff. I mean, if blessings are in stuff, we are blessed people. We have stuff, 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 stuff. Now, you don't even have to be a hoarder to know that your closets and my closets and your cupboards and my cupboards, your pantries and my pantries, basements and attics are stuffed full of stuff. It's everywhere. We're getting stuff all the time. You know, I, I think we probably should not be complaining so much. We should not be griping so much because we got lots of stuff. Now, it's not really rebuke to those of you who have gathered here because I suspect that this is a group of people who probably excel when it comes to being thankful and being grateful and being appreciative, and that's good. We can all continue to be better at it. I mean, surely we have complained sometime. It's really bad when you, because I started to complain about this. We had bought groceries one time, and I can't fit it all in the refrigerator. Uh, let, let me back that, let me change that. I can't fit it in all of our refrigerators, plural. Now that's a real problem, isn't it? That's really something to gripe about. So I said, hold on, I will never gripe about that again. I will never complain about the abundance that we walk in and we live in. We will thank the Lord. You say, well, what if you have too much stuff? I got a novel idea. Give it away. Share it. You know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Share it. Give it away. We have lots of stuff. Maybe it's time for us to slow down, <sighs> take a deep breath, open our eyes, and see the amazing abundance that we live in, the amazing prosperity that we live in. We are a blessed people. And we need to be grateful even for the little things. Be thankful for the little things. It was a cold February day, just last year, 2021. And these two brothers, uh, Lee and Dennis, stepped out into the cold and they took a deep breath and just let that cool air joyfully fill their lungs. And they had hit a new situation in their life. But it didn't fully sink in. Lee says it didn't fully sink in until, because a car was driving them home and they sat down in the car. And Lee said it wasn't until I sat down in the car and looked down at my hands, that I became overly emotional. Because for the first time in 27 years, I was being transported without handcuffs on. Dennis and his brother Lee had been wrongly accused of a crime, and the governor had written, signed a paper for clemency, and it was the first time in 27 years that he had been in an automobile without handcuffs on. He said, he said emotions hit him like crazy. He said, it wasn't, when I was told the governor signed the papers, it didn't hit like it did at that moment, that I was actually going to go somewhere without handcuffs on. Kind of amazing. Lee said that in those 27 years, he always had cuffs on. And it was just so rewarding, something that you and I don't even think about that just so blessed his heart. He said that we were filled with awe about everything. I mean, we would, we would, on our own volition, walk out on a sidewalk and look around and felt free. 
They had an assignment. They had an assignment. They needed to go, their own assignment. It wasn't what somebody's making them do. They were going to the DMV to get their driver's license reinstated. They'd heard all the problems with the DMV. Now, I want to say this about, we call ours the BMV around here. Many years ago, they revamped our BMV, and it is like crazy efficient. Now, if you're young and you don't think it's crazy efficient, I would like to take you back with me to the BMV, you know, 30 years ago, and you will say, this is crazy efficient. Well, Dennis and Lee went into the DMV, and it took them two and a half hours to get their driver's license. And they said, we were laughing, we were smiling, we were having a good time, and everybody's like, you guys are crazy. He said, I cannot explain it to you, but being able to stand in a line of my own free will to get something that would bless my life was joyful. It was joyful. It was beautiful, he said. I thought that was amazing. Lee said one of his favorite rituals is he has 42 people on his contact list, and every morning he goes to his computer and he types out this. All 42 people get sent this. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Have a nice day. His friends are actually getting sick of getting good morning, good morning, good morning, have a nice day. They said, when are you going to get tired of this? He said, probably never. And I want to read this because I don't want to mess up how he said it. But they don't understand that I was deprived. I, there's so much spiritual truth in what he's getting ready to say here. But they don't understand that I was deprived. And now it's like I've been released. I have been reborn into a better day, into a new day, like the person I was no longer exists. Hmm. I've stepped through the looking glass to the other side, and everything is beautiful. Isn't that amazing? That reminds me of our faith in Jesus. <laughs> We've stepped through the looking glass, and everything is beautiful. The old's gone. You know, that's what Corinthians says. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We're a new creation. We're new. We've been reborn. We've stepped into something beautiful. Dennis and Lee remind me of a couple of those New Testament passages. In 2 Timothy 2.26, the Bible says that we should share the gospel. This is a paraphrase. That we should share the gospel so that maybe some people would be convinced and their minds would be changed, and they would escape, they would escape from the devil. They would escape from the devil who has held them captive to do his will. Yeah. Well, if you're a believer here today in Jesus Christ, you have escaped from the devil, and the devil was holding you captive to do his will. Because one guy... I think kind of operating under prophetic anointing, at least at this time, wrote a song one time that says, you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. I think it was the Carpenters. Wasn't it the Carpenters who wrote that? No, you all know who wrote that, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. Bob Dylan? Who am I talking to? I know. I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people that are so entrenched in their walk with Jesus, they don't even know any secular songs out there. But you've got to serve somebody. I would sing it, but 
No one sounds like Bob Dylan. Not even Bob Dylan. But when you step out of that, you, you, you feel freedom. You taste freedom. Mm-mm-mm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You taste freedom. Freedom. Also reminds me of another passage in, in Acts chapter 3, 7 and 8. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, and they run into the guy. I talk about the story with regularity. He's saying, alms, alms. I picture him with a can there for some reason. I don't think they probably had cans. He had something, a basket or something, alms, alms. Alms, A-L-M-S, means gifts to the poor, money to the poor. So he's crying out for alms. And they said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any alms to give you. But what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And Peter reaches out and grabs his hand, and, and strength comes into his legs. This guy has been set free from what has imprisoned him, his, his broken body since birth. And there's something else I noticed in that passage, that gratitude, thanksgiving, joy gripped his heart. Read the passage for yourself. You don't find him going, oh, I can walk. Why? Well, I, I better not get too excited. I better, you know, be debonair and calm and respectful and, and poised and, no, that, he doesn't have any of that. You can't put a lid on that. The Bible says he goes walking and leaping and praising God, and he praises God, walking, leaping, praising God, all the way into the temple with Peter and John. There wasn't putting any lid on his gratitude or on his thanksgiving or on his joy. We've been talking about praying big prayers to a big God, and I thought I would talk about a big idea in prayer today, and it's prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving. All of us at one time or another were held captive by the devil. Now, you might have been like me and came out of that captivity at a young age. And very seriously, when you come out of that at a young age, it, it, you don't know how depraved you were. I'm serious about that because you really probably weren't into anything real sinister at six years old or five years old. But some people have stepped out of a, a depraved, evil life into the light of Jesus, and they know how free they are. When you look at Psalm 103, it reminds me of the story of Dennis and Lee. It reminds me of our story that we've been held captive, we're set free, and we've all been imprisoned by something. I mean, whether it was doubt, unbelief, sin, uh, unforgiveness, whether it was um, uh, bad habits, addictions, whatever. By the way, you say, I haven't even walked out of all that yet. Okay, well, hang with me because we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep learning. We're going to keep moving forward. And so here in Psalm 103, it says, praise or bless the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being, everything that is within me, everything that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget a single benefit that God has. He says, here it is. Here's the first one. Who forgives all your sins? Now, I would say, do you remember when I taught several months ago? But I know you all remember, so I'll just remind you. I know it's been in your mind and in your heart. But it's the Jewish Passover. It's something called the Seder meal. And they use a document, uh, and it varies a little bit, but it's called the Haggadah. And when you get to one part in the Seder meal, they start rehearsing all the glorious, marvelous things that happened as they, were, they escaped bondage in Egypt to freedom in God. And 
they'll list one thing that God did to start the process, and then they say this word, dianu. Now, that may ring a bell because it's a weird word, dianu. And dianu means that would have been enough. But our God's never enough. I want to say that rightly. He's got more is what I want to say. And so he gives them more, and they say, dianu, and they say, that would have been enough. And he says, yeah, it probably would have been, but I'm going to give you more. And he gives him more, and he gives him more, and gives him more. Well, when I read this, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all your sins. I want to say, Dianu. That would have been enough. If you hadn't ever done anything else, that's colossal. That I get to stand before God right before him, not in my own good works, but in the finished work of Jesus. And he sees me as his righteousness. I would say, you've forgiven all my sins. Blessed is the one whom God does not count as sins against them. I would say, Dianu, that would have been enough. And God says, it would have been, but I got more for you. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life. This really makes me think of Dennis and Lee. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He doesn't just pull you out of the pit and throw you over in the ditch. He pulls you out of the pit. He sets your feet on the rock, other scriptures say, and he puts a crown of, on you, a crown of love and compassion. He says, you're crazy loved. I'm going to give you a crown of love and a crown of compassion. So bless the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus has redeemed my life from the pit. Has he yours? If he hasn't, today's your day. Today is your day. We should be able to offer prayers and proclamations of thanksgiving and gratitude to the Lord. And now we look at Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And a prophet tells about future things that are going to happen. Not to be confused, I'm very serious about this, not to be confused with a fortune teller, but a prophet. The Holy Spirit speaks to a prophet and they tell about things that are going to happen. Isaiah is one of the most prolific. One of the, there's, there may be a, a, maybe Zechariah, maybe some others might eclipse him, but barely. He's in the top, let's just say, of having what we call messianic prophecies. That just means prophecies about the Messiah, prophecies about Jesus, prophecies about the Christ. He's several hundred centuries before telling these things about what's going to happen and We'll pick up on one of them in Isaiah 12. And so, so much of what he writes is about the saving power of the Savior who's coming. And so he says this. This is the New Living Translation. I, I like it in about every translation. In Isaiah 12, 3 through 5, with joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. I like that translation. With joy you shall drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Others say with joy you shall draw from the wells of salvation. I like that one too. There's this, this blessing that comes from salvation. It says, with joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing, thank you, Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. I mean, the rest of the chapter is great, too. But I just think about that, that salvation that we have. With joy, we will draw. And our song will start out with, thank you, Lord. That's the first words of the song he says we'll sing. Thank you, Lord. Praise his name. We have a salvation that causes us to sing, thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Now we're in this season which we call Thanksgiving. Now I deeply enjoy Thanksgiving. Now it's not a certified holy day in the Bible. Just want you to know. You won't read through the Bible and go, oh, pilgrims and Indians and the Mayflower. You won't, you won't, you won't see that. But I think it's a wonderful holy day, and we can make it a holy day because the concept of thanksgiving and gratitude is just rooted and entrenched and entwined in our Christian life, in what Christianity is and what the Bible teaches about Christianity. And so here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, we find some wonderful words. In fact, if you have never prayed this prayer, you probably will someday. You'll, you'll read the story of Jonah or Gideon or, or Deborah, or you'll read some wonderful missionary who did these wonderful things for God, and you'll look at those stories, and you will say, Lord, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? And honestly, your life may seem a little tame compared to Jonah's. Which I just want to say, Lord, I'm fine with that. Just want the Lord to know that, okay? But you read some story, you say, what? What do I, your will is for me? And usually it's because we're thinking that God wants us to do some very specific thing that's big. And maybe he does. I, I'm not to discourage that. Maybe he does. But we're going to see a foundation for what everybody can experience in the will of God. And I think if we lay these foundations, we're more apt to hear something specific if God chooses for us to do something specific. I'm very serious about this because uh, we live in a culture that's all into success and you know doing big things, being on the cover of magazines and all that. And I want to say that most of the saints of God are never going to experience that or do that, which is okay because guess what? We're his. Whatever he wants, that's fine. But I don't want you to diminish what you do because whatever we do has a ripple effect into lives. So let's just be faithful to what God's called us to do. And when we look around through the New Testament, we see a whole lot of teaching like this, not I have called you to do these amazing things and you're going to change the globe. Maybe you are. But we find a lot of stuff like this. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that they see your good lives. And they see your good deeds, and they glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that they come up to you and ask, why do you have this hope within you? You say, but that just may be one or two people. That's okay. I promise you in glory, those one or two people will be very thankful for you being obedient, even if it wasn't a million people. But we're just supposed to be faithful. You notice that when we stand before Jesus, he doesn't say, well done, you were a great success. Well done, you did colossal things. He just said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You were faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Hmm, interesting. Let's just be faithful. So, Pray the prayer. What's God's will for my life? I have an answer for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Here's God's will for you. Always be joyful. You ever felt that one? <laughs> Always be joyful. Always be joyful. I'll tell you one of the things I have to really submit myself to 
is I don't like to assemble things. I don't like to assemble things. Then anytime I assemble something, I'll use this screw and the screw head, you know, strips out. And I think to myself, charge me an extra 50 cents and give me a decent screw, would you? And uh, then I go, okay, calm down, just relax. So I have a problem, though. I don't like to assemble things, and most of the time, you can buy things, and they'll assemble them for you. Here's the problem, for a fee. So now I struggle. I tell you all the time, so I want you to get this. I'm not cheap, I'm Scottish, okay? I'm thrifty. So when I look and say, I mean, you want 99 cents to assemble that? I just don't think I can pay that. No, usually it's 10 20 $30, so I go, okay, I'll assemble it. And so when I'm assembling and things don't go right, I have to say to myself, do everything you do without murmuring or complaining. I'm very serious about that. I have, I have to say that. Usually that comes after I just failed, you know, and I tell darling, that's the stupidest thing in the world. These people don't know how to write directions. And I go, okay, let everything be done without murmuring or complaining. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. So we all can probably work on that. Always be joyful. Why? That's God's will for me. That's God's will for you. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Jesus gave us a parable that we should never stop praying. Here, Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to the people in Thessalonica, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. You ever felt that one? I know you haven't, but the person beside you, I'm sure, is a miserable failure at most of this stuff here. I do, I, I'm serious, I try to practice it. I'm driving down the road one day, it's raining, it's dark, it's early in the morning, and I hear something dragging. And I realize something's falling off my car. And so I pull over into a parking lot, and I look underneath the car, and it's my muffler and tailpipe all dragging along and I think that's great it's rainy it's dark I'm serious about this and I stopped and said you know I have a flat piece of ground here and actually have good lighting so I can rip this thing off of here throw it in the trunk and go on and that's what happened one day I mean we were living in the parsonage I'm getting ready to do something I go out in the morning and I have a flat tire and I go that's just great and I thought hold it Having a flat tire in my own garage is a whole lot better than having it on Interstate 65. So I said, I'm just going to be thankful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is, what's the next two words? God's will. This is God's will. Well, I don't want to hear that stuff. I want to hear, you're going to take a nation for God. Well, maybe you will. But how about we start with always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. Because I've read enough stories of missionaries that if you are not a joyful person, a praying person, and a thankful person, you'll be home on the next boat back to the United States. 
So always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's why, for me, I'm getting ready to tell you this is just for me. This does not have to be for you. This is not something I'm saying you should emulate. This is not something I think is divine or holy, and if anybody does it differently, it's wrong. This is just for me. So don't use it to win an argument with your spouse or anything like that. This is just for me. You can do it however you want to. But for me, Thanksgiving is a holiday that I like to protect from everything else. It seems to be the only holiday that commercialism hasn't hijacked. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, you go out and shop and buy food. Well, we shop and buy food regularly anyway, people do. So I try to, and you know, the worst defender to encroaching upon Thanksgiving is, does anybody know? Christmas, that's right. You're saying, well, how dare you? The birth of our Savior? You're saying, back off a little bit? Because I want some pumpkin pie and some, yeah, that's exactly right. And so, I don't want to watch a Christmas movie on Thanksgiving. I don't want to set up a Christmas tree. I don't want to string up a light. I don't want to do any of that. Because it... (laughs) Now, half of you are mad at me, but that's why I started out by saying, this is just me. I like to protect it because it seems like the only day that commercialism and consumerism hasn't stolen. So I like to leave it alone. I like to leave it untainted. And so people have asked me before, so what do you do? What's so special about Thanksgiving? What do you do? You must have something you really do. No, that's what's beautiful about nothing. Nothing. We get together and we cook food. I'm not allowed to cook anything, but I do get help. You know, I get to pull things down off shelves and do stuff like that. And so I watch a little bit of the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, and I bounce in and out of there. Then we eat, we laugh, we fellowship, and then we nap. The, the McIntyres have a gene. We have an actual gene, napping gene. Now, Darlene may not nap because she didn't catch that gene being a comb. She doesn't have that gene, but the rest of us do. So we'll take a nap, and then we'll get up, and we'll eat some more. We'll watch a little football, and then we'll nap, and we just keep going through that whole thing. And... And at the end of the day, at the, I never, nobody's been so excited in my preaching ever before. This is, this is like the, this is like it. You talk about pumpkin pie and people get, woo, glory. I felt the Holy Ghost on that, yeah. So, we just kind of protect that day. Now, it's all hands on deck on Friday for Christmas. And in fact, Darlene always wants me to, can we, do something, set up some stuff. And I, I say to her this, I say, there's really nothing I get to do. You rule everything. <laughs> but this one little day I want to protect, that's a, an exaggeration here. We're in counseling. Um, but um, but <laughs> that's not true either. We just keep on going through this. Yeah, We're not going to get any counseling. Uh, so we... I like protecting that day. And I think that Thanksgiving and gratitude is so entwined in the kingdom that we need to be people of gratitude. Now, I know, somebody here, your house has been set for Christmas since September. I'm cool with that. That's your house. That's cool. I love it. Some of you are saying, 
we never took Christmas down from last year. I said, that's cool. That's cool. That's your house. That's what worked for you. So this isn't a divine ordinance that I'm giving. This is just me. But the thing that is divine is let's be people of things. And I'm quite certain that you can thank the Lord and enjoy Thanksgiving with all the Christmas decorations up. I get it. This is just me. Now, almost every year, I use this set of verses, so I'm going to wrap up with this. I probably use this about 80% of my Thanksgiving messages because I think it is the number one best story in the Bible about the power of gratitude, about giving praise, giving thanksgiving, and it's found in Luke, the 17th chapter. It's an amazing encounter with Jesus. Luke 17, 12. As he, Jesus, entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Now, I'll give you a little leprosy stories in here, probably more than you want to know, but leprosy was a cruel disease. A lot of things the Bible, if it was a skin disease, got thrown under the category of leprosy, but leprosy, true leprosy, was, was a deadly, awful, horrible disease, and you weren't allowed to get near people. So if you were walking down the street and someone was coming, you would yell, unclean, and you would walk to the other side of the street. So it was devastating physically and emotionally and relationally because it separated you from everyone except the other lepers in the leper colony. And so it was a very sad, evil disease. And so they cried out. I picture it from across the street. They cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked up at them and said, Go show yourself to the priests. Now, because we're not Hebrews, we may go, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, the priests were the ones that would look at your diseases and determine, because leprosy sometimes would dry up, would cure, would disappear, and so you would go to the priest, and they would check you out, and they would say, yeah, your leprosy is in remission, it's, it's clean, it's whatever, you can now rejoin society. So that was a rule for the Jewish people. They had to go get a clearance from the priest. So he shouts to them, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were, what, what's the next word? Cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was what? Healed. Came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. There's no lid on it again. You know, he's not being you know, real couth about this. He's excited. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, which actually falling on the ground before God is the most uh, accurate act of worship. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Those crazy Samaritans just get into all these stories, don't they? Jews are supposed to hate Samaritans. Jesus says, I'm not a hater. And so Samaritans show up everywhere. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Now, the word there, the root word is like soterio, and it means salvation or saved, but if you studied out, salvation is a big word. We hear salvation as Christians. We think, my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. Well, dianu, that would have been enough, but salvation's bigger than that. It encompasses health and healing and wholeness to your entire being. And so some translations translate it, 
get up, go your way, your faith has healed you. Others say, get up, go your way, your faith has saved you. But the one I like best, because for me personally, you can study it out for yourself, I think this is the most accurate one. It's the King James. The King James says, get up, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Whole. Now, when I teach on this, the reason I want you to know this is that leprosy is a disease that eats off your extremities. So it's very possible if you had real deal leprosy that you're missing a few fingers, you're missing some toes, maybe part of your nose. I'm very serious about this. Maybe half of your ear or maybe all of another ear. And I believe that there was a reward because it just doesn't make sense to me. We've already heard cleansed, healed, healed, and get up, your faith has healed you. We already got that established. He's healed. But whole makes sense to me. Hey, you know what? The other nine, I'm sure they're happy. They're praising God. Their, their leprosy is cleansed. They get to go back to their family. But you know what? You came back to give thanks. And so here's what I'm going to do. You're going to be made whole. I believe the guy looked down and saw his fingers come back and his toes, felt his nose, and oh my goodness, it's whole. My ear felt all that. I believe he was made whole. You say, well, I don't know if Jesus... Okay, first, do you remember the story of Lazarus? I mean, he's been dead for four days. I mean, his whole body and the organs and everything has been, you know, decaying and rotting. Do you remember the guy that Peter, he finally decides to fight in the Garden of Gethsemane? He pulls out his sword. He cuts off the servant's ear. What did Jesus do? He put an ear back on. I mean, a real deal. It wasn't like a Mr. Potato Head thing. It was a real deal, absolute healed, healed ear. He's healed. He's whole. And so I bring this story up because I want to remind myself, and I want to remind you, you know what? There's a whole new level. It's almost like Jesus was saying, you thought what was behind door number one was good. Wait till you see what's behind door number two. You are whole. You're not just healed. You're whole. So I want us to be people of thanksgiving. I want us to be people who give praise. Well, what if everything's not going right? Maybe that's why it said give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe that's why it says always be joyful. You notice it was always, never, never stop praying, and all, very complete words. Is everything in your life always been perfect? No. But give thanks. Be joyful. Don't stop praying. It isn't connected to just is everything perfect, but it's who we are. We have the perfect one in us. And so we just keep giving thanks. We keep praying. We keep trusting God, and I believe God rewards that. And I love the passage in Habakkuk. I totally believe he's praying for God's outpouring. Remember, he says, you know what? If the stalls are empty, the vines are empty, hey, you're still God. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bless your name, and he is still God. So I want to encourage us to be people of thanksgiving and add that prayer to our prayer arsenal. I'm going to be a person who never forgets to give prayers of thanksgiving.